This Marketplace podcast is supported by Harvest, painless time tracking for creative professionals and teams worldwide. Harvest tracks billable time from anywhere. Create invoices in seconds and build powerful reports to help keep projects on budget. More at getharvest.com. Marketplace is produced in association with the University of Southern California. Wall Street banks start reporting profits. Tomorrow, why some skepticism may be warranted. There's that debate tonight, right? Can't miss that. Also, another trip to San Bernardino, how a city gets out of bankruptcy. From American Public Media, this is Marketplace. Let Marketplace be your guide to the modern world. Subscribe to the Marketplace Tech Report podcast. Find it on iTunes or at marketplace.org slash podcasts. From the Frank Stanton Studios in Los Angeles, I'm Kai Rizdahl. This is the Marketplace Podcast for Thursday, the 11th of October. Good to have you with us. It is early fall by the conventional calendar. Earnings season, though, by the strange rhythms of Wall Street. Happens four times a year, always led, for some reason, by Alcoa. The big banks get their turn in the spotlight tomorrow. J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo will report quarterly profits. And the numbers will be closely watched for signs of what bank revenues can tell us about how the economy is going overall. But it's entirely possible the picture is not going to be all that crystal clear because banks can adjust, shall we say, what they report by dipping into their rainy day funds. Marketplace's Mark Garrison is going to tell us how that works. Rainy day hardly describes the financial crisis, more like endless monsoon. So banks stashed lots of money away to cover bad loans. But now the weather is better, so banks are moving money from the reserve into the profit column. Johns Hopkins business professor Yuval Bar-Or says that's not sketchy. After financial downturns, during which banks are forced to reserve more, they begin to release those reserves. So there's nothing unusual about that. Reserves can be huge. A Wall Street Journal analysis found in the past year, Bank of America got nearly half its pre-tax income from its reserve. For Citigroup, more than a third. It's nice to have at a time when bank profits have been hurt by new regulations and low interest rates. Former Fed Governor Randall Krosner says the Securities and Exchange Commission can get suspicious of swollen rainy day funds. The SEC is concerned about banks holding too many reserves because they could potentially release those to be what is perceived as manipulating earnings. The SEC says, hey, the weather's fine. Stop hoarding all this cash. Bank regulators are the pessimists with golf umbrellas. They worry about heavy rain returning, so they want banks with lots of emergency money. Banking consultant Bert Ely says it's tricky to get the number right. How much ought to be in a loss reserve is much more art than science. You know, that's essentially trying to predict the future. And as we know, the big banks didn't do so well predicting the future before the housing bust. In New York, I'm Mark Garrison for Marketplace. All right, here's my favorite fact about tonight's vice presidential debate. Paul Ryan was like two years old when Joe Biden first got elected to the Senate of the United States. And just look at them both now, right? This is, to judge by the punditry, the most consequential vice presidential debate ever until you actually look at what ever means. And the latest poll numbers suggest margin of error. There is somewhat of a disconnect. It's conventional wisdom. Our survey said. Frank Newport is the editor-in-chief at Gallup. He is back this week to talk debates and all things polling related to those debates. Frank, it's good to talk to you again. Good to be with you. So uh, talk to me about tonight and explain to me, uh, this is going to sound terrible, explain to me why I ought to care. 
Well, you ought to care because it'll be fascinating to watch these two guys go at it together. But in terms of, and I'm sure this is what you were thinking, Kai, its impact on the race, we just don't find much evidence looking at history that these vice presidential debates make much difference in terms of the trajectory of the the presidential race. Um, What do we know about how voters feel? Not that they vote on vice presidential people, because we know they don't, but how do they feel about Congressman Ryan versus uh, the vice president, Vice President Biden? Boy, in our data, just about identical. And that's unusual. There have been times, uh, I'll give you an example, 2004, when John Edwards had a higher favorable rating than Dick Cheney when they went at it. And Al Gore had very, very high ratings uh, back in 92, 96, when he squared off against Quayle and then Jack Kemp. But this year, they're about the same. You know, for all the, the, the analysis that shows vice presidential debates don't matter much, it seems we've started paying more attention to them lately, right? You had Sarah Palin last year. You got this one this year. I mean, well, we have a sample of two. I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.